Hello and welcome to the Andrew Ferris Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the show. Today, I'm going to give you a little check-in on my business, which is actually the very first episode of the Andrew Ferris Podcast was about what I'm trying to build. Kind of throw it back to the old e-commerce playbook days where I give you a little bit of clarity about what's going on with me, as well as the lesson that I am taking away the most right now that I think will be helpful to you no matter what your business is like relative to mine. If you're not an agency, if you're not a consultant, if you're on the brand side, whatever, I think I have learned something that will be exceptionally helpful to you. It will not be rocket science, but I think it'll still be useful. Let's dive in and talk about focus. All right, so I started Andrew Ferris Growth. AJF Growth is actually what it's called. Don't even know the name of my own business. Whoops. AJF Growth about a year and a half ago, a little over to that now. Essentially, it was January 2022 is when I got it going. And, and then I didn't even register the LLC, honestly, until like midway through the year because I wasn't sure how long this was the thing I was going to be doing. About midway through last year, I, I relaunched my podcast in my own name as the CTC guys took back over the e-commerce playbook, which you should be listening to if you are not. There's definitely no bad blood there. That is all good feelings. Go listen to that. It is great. Taylor and Richard Gaffin getting at it all the time. But I kind of fell into building my own thing. And you may or may not know that. Like, I was unsure what I was going to do after being the CEO of 4x400, the aggregator that I used to run downstream from a sort of a sister company, daughter company of Common Thread Collective. After coming from Common Thread Collective myself, if you don't know my story, that's where I came from. And after running 4x400, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. I, I was thinking about a lot of different things. I was interviewing with brands at the time, considering taking an in-house role. I was talking with Common Thread Collective about coming back there. You know, Taylor and I still talk all the time, so that would have sort of been an easy fit. And and you know, I just love what they're doing. So so yeah, so that would have been a smooth fit. But as that started happening, a couple things happened. One of them was I started talking with my friends at Simple Modern about a project with them. Another one was that I started talking with Taylor about doing a little outsourced work for Common Thread Collective. And at the same time, you may have heard my episode with Driveline Baseball, Mike Rathwell, CEO of Driveline Baseball, a number of months back. I had got talking with them as well. And that was sort of a dream client for me. I'm a huge fan of Driveline, had been a fan of Driveline Baseball for a long time. If you don't know that, I'll be a big baseball fan. And suddenly where I found myself was with a few very good clients who worked really well for me all at the same time. And I became a business owner. Now, the thing about that is I am not the entrepreneur's entrepreneur. I love dealing with entrepreneurs, but I'm actually not the kind of person who really wants to go start my own thing from scratch and take on all the risk with all this big grand vision. I think of myself much more as an editor of things than a, like a true creator. And the, the distinction I'm making there is that I tend to take an idea and try to chip away at it until it gets better and better and better and more efficient, et cetera. And so for me to go be an entrepreneur and have my own business, really, like it was not what I was looking for at, at all. In fact, I barely considered it at first. And I just really wanted to buy myself time. I just, my, my wife and I just had our second son, just kind of an in-between time. And I thought, oh, I'll keep a consulting client on the side, you know, kind of take some work and, and then see what I'm going to do long term. But, but I'll at least engage in sort of a three-month project or something. Well, as that happened, these clients started to pop up and suddenly I had a business. And suddenly I was creating a website that said AJF Growth on it. And suddenly I had a podcast that was mine and whatever. These things just kind of kept happening. And I had clients that I liked. And I mean, I have good relationships with all those. Driveline Baseball still a client of mine at the time of recording this. Like they've been with me for a long time now. It's just been really fun. And it turns out that I love it. I love having my own thing. I had no intention to bring on help. Now I've got like a little bit of part-time help, some overseas help with my friends via more staffing, who you've heard me talk about on this show. They connected me to. 
And then I've got one full-time employee now actually working with me as well. I don't intend to grow a lot more, but suddenly I have a business. That's the point. After not, not that suddenly, after a year and a half of doing this, I have a business. And because of the way this thing happened, that business has developed sort of unintentionally at times. Like I've, I started off with some ideas about what I think would help grow a business in the ways that I could. I thought about, could I help this brand over here with this particular set of things? I mean, when I first started, honestly, I was doing sort of an outsourced head of growth thing where it was like trying to manage Google, Meta, and email all at the same time for brands while sort of not taking on too many clients and uh, and doing all of these things and, and really trying to think about, could I help grow a couple brands at a time? And that worked to mixed success, I would say, to, the, to those brands. I mean, I had good, solid experiences with, with all those brands, but like the scope of works would sort of shift and change. And I'd find myself giving much more attention to one thing than the others and gravitating in a lot of cases towards meta ads, et cetera. And then, you know, as that shifted more, I started to work more also, or even as I started to move towards meta ads and for some things that I thought could work, I would engage in projects that were not really consistent from client to client. So I was already doing this outsourced head of growth thing. But then as, as like, you know, I worked with Simple Modern for about six months and and that project shifted in the middle of it. And, and that was really like an assess what you need and see how I could help kind of project. But then from there, I looked at another brand and said like, hey, I could give you like an audit and like a deep dive, but I'm not going to sell you anything serious afterwards. And that means it could be maybe more useful to you and and really try to put a separate set of eyes on. So I, I worked with a client and did that. And so that was like a one-off project that I had no internal process or way of doing. I just kind of like did what I do, you know, and, and worked on the brand and dug deep and tried to figure out what I could do to help. And then I had another client, you know, working with where I was like, just trying to help with creative strategy and, and do that for a little bit, sort of support their media buying team, etc. And then, you know, again, all of these things just kept shifting in all these different ways. And I still had driveline where I was doing all this different stuff across the board. And what has happened for me in the last three months, especially, is that I have now gotten to a point where I have narrowed my scope of work narrowed my ideal client profile and done all of these things in a way that I think has made me the best version of myself that I've ever been. And that's really what I wanted to talk about today and get to. And I gave you that context to understand sort of how I got here. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you might have noticed that I like never talk about Google ads or just like reference it in passing. I was, you know, I still do some Google for clients, but it's a, it's like a smaller part of the engagement. That's probably the only thing that's going to not fit with a lot of the rest of the narrative I'm going to tell you about. I mean, I, I'll have some email episodes here and there, but it's always an interview if I do email. It's not me just kind of telling you solo what I think. That's because I'm not that good at email, and I really realized that doing email. In fact, I don't think I'm that good at Google Ads, and I've told my clients to, for whom I'm running Google Ads that same thing. I've told them, you don't want me to be the, be the person to really scale your Google Ads. Like, I'm just not that great at it. What I can do is probably save you from losing money there and do that pretty cheaply for you without it being a big time expenditure for me. But I probably can't be the person who meaningfully scales your Google account. I should probably set you up with somebody else to do that. And that that would be like better for everybody. And so that's the way that I've begun talking. And what I've landed on is that I now believe I have the best clarity I have ever had to what makes an e-commerce business grow particularly an e-commerce business that is already at, say, a million bucks somewhere in that range or, or is doing a, a monthly pace of around, you know, over 100 grand a month or whatever, somewhere in that range, trying to get up to 20 plus. That part of the e-commerce journey is unquestionably where I've spent the most time in my professional career, 
where I have the most point of view, where I feel really clear about what is what is required to grow that brand. I have a good sense of where the landmines are in that journey. I know about the cash needs. I know about the need to set up infrastructure for tracking and processes. I know about how easy it is to start wasting money on bad OPEX spends. I, I, I understand how to run a meta account and how to power your growth with that. I understand how to think about forecasting and cash flow forecasts and and really getting on top of those kinds of issues with clarity, really thinking about contribution margin week in, week out, all the stuff I'm talking about all the time on this show. I now feel like I am crystal clear on that stuff. And so I can be really helpful there. And so what has happened for me is that I have now sort of shifted. I've actually offboarded a couple clients. I mean, you know, over a multiple month process, or in like in one case, significantly scaled back my work, like uh, like I've been doing with Driveline Baseball. I mentioned them before. You know, I was doing sort of an outsourced head of growth there. Now I've worked with them to find a new internal head of growth who's awesome and like a really joy, a great joy to work with. And in the midst of that, what I've done is really narrowed my scope of work to just a couple of things, okay? The first is meta as, by, oh, by the way, I've also gotten rid of almost my entire coaching business because I found that even though it isn't a huge time suck and it actually pays really well hourly, at the same time, it just requires my brain to go into too many places and it's too difficult for me to stay on top of all that. So I've narrowed, and here's what I've narrowed to. I now call it executive growth management. And the idea is media buying, meta media buying, plus coaching for founders who are trying to scale their business along that part of the $20, $25 million journey. Now, it's not like I would get rid of a client who gets past that part of the journey. I think it'd be really useful for them as well. In fact, part of the reason I've staffed up a little bit is to support one client in particular, who I'm gonna tell you about in a couple of weeks on the show. I've got an interview with, uh, with Curie, dinner and company, Sarah Moray, about how that brand has just smashed every forecast we possibly could have set up. We're growing really fast. And, and now it's really going to probably pass that point in revenue. Well, I've staffed up in part to work with her and to work with some other folks to, to make it so that as we start to scale the needs for creative and for, for more creative output and, and all that, I've actually got the resources to do that because you know the larger the spend, the more, the more there's a requirement to be able to have more ability to output creative quickly. Okay. So I've scaled that to work with some clients. So I can definitely go past that 20 stage. But my, my, the part where I feel like I can be like the rocket fuel in the business and a really good coach to founders and to entrepreneurs is in that journey that I was talking about earlier. And so what have I done? I have offloaded clients who don't fit that bill. I have instead replaced them with, I've got one last client starting in the beginning of October. But if you were to go to ajfgrowth.com right now, you'd see everything is a wait list. I'm, I'm not taking on any more clients. And I've got that one more client starting entirely because it's sort of the last area where I can fit somebody and feel like my service remains at a, at a high quality level. And I built all of those on scaling percentage of spend deals. That scaling percentage of spend deal, maybe in terms of how they compensate me, maybe doesn't work very well. If you were like a large agency, if you if you listen to uh, Taylor Holiday talk about or tweet about this, he you know he's moved Common Thread Collective's contracts almost all over to flat fees. And that's because for for an agency, it makes a lot more sense, especially, you know, I think their ideal client profile is like a little above the 10 million plus range, uh, somewhere in that kind of kind of area. And so he's realized that the best way to, for them to build their business is with a fixed fee every month, they deliver the work and, and there you go. For me, when I'm dealing with smaller brands, that per scaling percentage of ad spend fee structure works really, really well, because then I can actually probably take a little less money on a client if I'm really confident I can grow them. And in that stage, like I said, I'm at my best, I think. And so I feel pretty confident I can grow them. And I, I do like a month to month deal. I don't even need a lot. You know, I don't do a long contract. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. That's okay. Everybody can still be friends afterwards and 
and we can go try and find each other the right fit. Why do I say all that? Why am I telling you all those details? Well, partly because I think some people are interested in hearing what's going on. But there's actually another reason for that. And it's that there has been this revelation, this light that has gone off in my life as over the last few months, I have worked very hard to sort of move my business around, transform it in a way to fit where I am really running meta ads with ongoing operator coaching, essentially, as the, as the core of the business. When I am doing that with clients, what I am finding is I can deliver for them and I love the work and it doesn't eat up my whole life. It doesn't weigh on me in the same way. I don't, I don't have the sort of latent anxiety of all the work I'm supposed to be doing for a brand or whatever it is. Like little things come up, it's still work, right? But the mix between my compensation, my quality of work, and my latent work anxiety <laughs> is at its best when I am focused in this one area of work. And the reason that I, that I mention that is because what I have come to think, and I, you know, I, I talked about this after I left 4x400, but it's just so clear to me how true this is right now. What I've come to think is, especially at the revenue level that my own business is at, especially at, which is like, you know, under seven figures, let's be really clear, right? It's like not a huge business or anything like that. Especially at that revenue level, and especially with my desire to not have something particularly big, and while, while we're there, focus is so powerful. It is so powerful. At this stage of my career, I now believe I am really, really good, frankly, in this one area. And, and I can be helpful in a lot of areas and I can be conversational in a lot of areas. But there's one area of the business that I think I can be really good in, which is growing your brand profitably with meta ads from 1 million to 20 million plus. Okay. That part of the journey, I just think I'm nails at. And, and it's not like I'm going to be a hundred percent hit rate or whatever. Nobody's perfect. And there's stuff I'm going to miss like everybody else does. And I found some mistakes I made this last week for a client, right? So don't, don't hear this another way. But I just know that by focusing in that area, I have that right mix of stuff. And what I've come to think is almost every business, including, especially including operators at the stage of business precisely that I am talking about, one of the big constant problems is focus drain. And it's so interesting. When you build your business, when you build your brand around contribution margin and around a bottom line after that contribution margin as the core thing that you're trying to build, and if you keep your eyes dead set on that, then suddenly what you realize is that lots of the things that could be grabbing your attention are not worth doing and you should not remove your focus from them. This is like the constant shiny object syndrome thing that happens for brands, right? What happens is they, there's like this issue somewhere where our, our retention isn't good enough. And so they're like, oh, could we do a loyalty program? And so they, imp they use the loyalty program app or could we like make our email way better? And they go and they start digging into that. Well, like maybe you should do that. Maybe you should, you know, add a loyalty program. I've never actually seen one of those work in e-commerce, but maybe. Maybe you should spend a much more time on your email and SMS. That's definitely possible. But what happens is you start a project like that, you add the software, you start paying the monthly fee, and then you don't really have a plan to seriously build it. To like, invest real time and effort into making it good because almost nothing works that well if you don't try that hard, if you don't focus on it, if you don't give it the attention that it deserves. And that is the big thing that in my consulting business, I'm realizing when I am in this zone of, of client, when I'm in this space, the work comes easy, I can be focused and I can do a great job. 
when I'm elsewhere, the work comes slowly. I don't have good process for it. And and I don't do that good of a job. And the process thing is really interesting. If you have ever been an executive and tried to build process, one thing you may realize is that it takes forever. It's like me, I'm adding one full-time client. I've got one full-time person working with me. It's a creative strategist, okay? Who's helping me output additional creative work. And then I've got design and edit help in the Philippines that I, that I got via my work with more staffing, okay? Brought them on through there. And then I have an ad builder who's like an early career person who's basically just building the ads for me. That's my whole team. You could see that team is set up, structured around growing brands on meta ads. That's what it's for. Creative strategy, creative execution, and then ad building, all built around that. So when I go and do those things, it requires a ridiculous amount of work to get a good process to move from client assets into my creative strategist's hands. So, so she knows like, okay, what assets do I have to play with? Or what assets do I need to get produced? She's got to have access to that library when she has an idea. And, she, and I work really closely with her. So my eyes need to get on it. How does she submit it to me for review? How does she submit it to the client for review? How does she get the right, uh, submit it over to the, how does she submit it over to the creative team, to the design and edit team? How does she make sure that they have all the information they need to do a great job? So that when they deliver it, then she reviews it. What about client revisions in there? What software do we use? What Asana boards do we build? And you know what happens? It takes forever to build this stuff. It takes forever. And then if we do this, if we take the time required to build all of the processes internally and use Asana correctly and frame and whatever software we're using to make sure all these things are, are all the people have all the information they need to deliver all of this and, and ultimately for somebody to go build it in ads manager and for me to know and for me to check in and blah, blah, blah. And then for me to communicate to the client. Then actually just those few people on this pretty small team I have, it requires a whole bunch of work to set up that process. And so if you start to multiply that out, you start adding team members across all these different parts of the business and you have to get this person talking to that person and make sure that the forecast is here, blah, blah, blah. What happens? Every process gets more complex and harder to build and the work takes longer and there's more latent anxiety about the amount of things to do. Now, sometimes you have to do that depending on the kind of business you've gotten yourself into, but sometimes you actually don't. And if you can resist chasing down all of these potential things that may or may not work, but that you just think might work, right? If you can resist that and focus on making your core product better, making your core customer experience better, getting them what they need, doing a better job with the things that are really driving the value of your business, like the core stuff, right? Facebook ads, the, the basics of your email, your website experience, your unboxing, like all of the things that are really central to the growth of your business, the profitability of your business, et cetera. If you could do a great job with those things, then ultimately, a lot of times, growth will happen. And you only need to go chase the next thing once you're really stalled out. Now, like I'm speaking in general terms, there's exceptions to this and I get it, okay? But I am amazed, I'm amazed at how much better I am at, at building internal process and, and I'll call it product for me, even though it's really services, when I focus. Because it turns out there are actually a lot of problems to solve, even in a relatively simple business like mine. There are a lot of problems to solve all the time. And and to go solve all of those, it requires real effort and real work. And so having the right resource to put towards those things is partly a matter of being set up as well as possible to give the time and attention to those things that, that are required. Now, 
Why is it so hard to stay focused at, to your best opportunities? Why is it so hard? The answer is so simple. It is this. There is something else that looks like it may generate some money. Especially if you don't know what to do next, there is something else that looks like it may generate some money. And so you try the next thing. You try over here, you try over there, you try over here, you try over there. And the temptation is that when you have a problem, like you have to bring in this other strategy you heard about from somebody somewhere, like don't. Instead, do these basic things right. Understand your contribution margin. Make sure your product is good and is being delivered to your customers on time. Track carefully everything that goes on your PL so you know what's there and eliminate the waste. Build your business with meta ads. Build your business with your basic email flows and get a couple campaigns out per week, ideally three. Like do those basic things as well as you possibly can. Measure contribution margin and your bottom line profit relentlessly against some goals built within some forecasting, some cash forecasting. And that's your e-commerce business in the early stages at least. Now, product development's gonna be in there as well. That's gonna be a huge part of the process if you're actually in a product business, if you're an operator, et cetera. But those are the things that make the, the, the e-commerce business work. If you're listening to this and you're on the agency, consulting, that kind of side, like, like the question I would ask you is, how good can you make your product? Do you know another reason that I'm able to focus and generate additional value for myself? It's because a lot of agencies suck. That's why a lot of consultants aren't that good. So I regularly inherit an account where either it's an operator who didn't know what they were doing and they suck at this part of the job. That's not their fault. There's a lot of things to do if you're an operator or it's taken over from an agency or consultant or somebody new who didn't know what they were doing. And because they all have the same problem, they all have shiny object syndrome and chase a million things down and hire people, whatever. And so if you can make your service and your product good, you can probably charge more for it. You can do a better job, deliver great work. You can build better process. And that will be the thing that maybe over time creates more scale. It's possible that I'm going to have a 50 person team at some point down the line. I'm not trying to build that right now. <laughs> in fact, I don't even like the idea of doing it. But if I do, here's how I believe it will happen in my business relative to my goals, relative to all those things. And that is a big important thing here. I'm not trying to build a nine figure business, right? So my goals are smaller, which means that the things that I can uh, push on and focus on here are also smaller. Okay, but as I seek to build my business, at the stage it's at right now and, and the focus I, I can pursue, as I do that, I am able to generate the best value for myself in part by just being as good as possible in that one area. And if I ever get to, if I ever start growing to a, you know, a team of 50 people or whatever, here's how it will happen. It will happen one little movement at a time. Downstream from the quality that I can produce, I will be able to say, okay, I have now built good process for all of these things. I actually probably could now invite somebody else into this hand them a baton, and they could actually run with it because my process is good enough. Process is not an answer to the problem of having too many people and not knowing what to do. It's how you scale up, I think. And so by, by focusing on my, the places where I'm very best, building good process internally there and beginning to deliver a great service there, I think I'm setting myself up for the best possible outcomes in the long run. Now, on, in the midst of this, there's one other part of my business, which is this whole podcast thing and the media buying side, or, or uh, excuse me, the media machine that I'm, machine, that's way too big of a word, the media creation I'm trying to do to help other entrepreneurs learn and help other e-commerce people learn. But that is its own thing. And frankly, I'm not pushing that hard, growing that much. I've got my, my one main sponsor and more staffing. I love working with them because I fully believe in them. And I'm going to try and keep that another area where I'm focused. I don't, I'm not looking for tons of new sponsors. Maybe I'd add a second one, but I'm not going to go crazy on that because it will be too much of a focus train. 
I have a sponsor that I love and I'm happy to put my name next to. And that, that's what I push. And so this part of it, you know, and I, I won't, I'm not going to push that hard on growing this part of the business until I can do a really good job of it. And in the meantime, I'm just going to try and put out the best content that I can and go from there because I have to build out the internal process first before I can really grow it. So that's where things are at. The point of all of this and the point of this little reflection on my business is this. As I have made that transition to offloading work that was, I was think perfectly fine at, delivered a, a solid service on and replaced that with the stuff that I think I'm really best at. I like my business more. I'm making more money and I'm set up for the most success in the long term and have the least latent anxiety about business. It is a good setup and a good combo. I recommend it. Hey, before we close this episode out, I do want to mention my friends at More Staffing. I just mentioned them a second ago on the show, but I really mean it when I tell you I love working with these people and I'm proud to put my name next to them. They are high integrity. They do a great job. And if you're looking to expand your team in the Philippines, they are the place you should start. If you are looking to expand your team at all in e-commerce, I don't know why you wouldn't be looking in the Philippines as the value is there to get incredible, super good, hardworking, high integrity, highly competent talent in the Philippines for a much lower cost than having those same people in the US. I have worked with them myself in my business, as I mentioned in this show. They're great. Go to morenow.co. Even just take a call, just see if it's the right fit for you and see if the resumes look good for you. It's it's really an easy process. They do so much work for you to go recruit, train, onboard, coach, all those things that, that need to be done to get great e-commerce talent from the Philippines into your business. Morenow.co. Go check it out right now. All right. Thanks for listening. I hope you didn't mind if this was reflective in a way that was about my business and didn't translate to yours. I think it will. I've run e-commerce businesses. I know how hard it is to maintain focus. If you liked this episode, you will like a lot of my other episodes as well. Please subscribe, You know, rate, review, all the usual stuff. And don't forget to visit the sponsors that I mentioned there at the end, more staffing. They are great. If you are adding to your team, you should be thinking about doing that in the Philippines with more staffing. Go to morenow.co to go check that out. Link is in the show notes there as always. And of course, you can reach out to me. I would love to answer your questions on an episode at some point. You can email me at podcast.ajfgrowth.com. I respond to, I think, pretty much all those. You can also DM me or follow me on Twitter at Andrew J. Ferris. Again, links are all in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening, for watching. I'll talk to you next time. Oh, I know the script with my eyes closed.